This is Tim Staten with Tim Stating the Obvious. What is this podcast about? It's simple. You are entitled to great leadership everywhere you go, whether it's to church, whether it's to work, whether it's at your house, you are entitled to great leadership. And so in this podcast, we take leadership principles and theories and turn them into everyday relatable and usable advice. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Tim Stating the Obvious. We talked about engaged leadership in the last episode, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about another aspect of what happens when leaders are ineffective and do not properly engage with people they work with. They quiet quit. This concept is not a new one. Basically, it's when employees decide not to do anything above and beyond what they were already hired to do. If you're hired somebody to work a nine to five job and sit at a desk and perform a task, that is what they do. They do not volunteer to pick up a shift when someone calls out or refuses to come in when asked to because that would be going above and beyond. Quiet quitters don't work late or extra hard on a project to meet a deadline. They perform their tasks with ease and to the level that is expected of them and what has been established for them. No more, no less. After all, as one teacher told CNBC in 2018, there was no reason for her to hustle because as a teacher, there's no promotion opportunity. If you're the person who wins the award for teacher of the year, you'll make the same salary as somebody who isn't, is what the 30-year-old mother told CNBC. Same is true for many organizations. Pay scales and pay grades are fixed and yearly monetary value bonuses are being lumped into company stock options, lessening the immediate value and impact on the employee. Many people count and work hard to get these bonuses at the end of the year to pay for family vacations, a new car down payment, or even Christmas gifts for families. Work-life balances are being affected to make up for the downturn during the pandemic, and employers want to make up for the losses over the past couple of years. So employers have adopted the model of do more with less, And in the process, they've been burning people out. So how do people react? Some rise to the occasion while many are adopting the quiet quitting mentality of I will only do do what is required, no more, no less. Mainly because their leadership is not engaging employees. They left employees to fight for themselves and and for their families with the feeling of I am only here to act as a cog in the greater wheel of the organization being ground down until they wear out or replaced with a better working cog, not appreciated or treated as if they matter. In fact, everyone who works at the operational level of business is incredibly important. The frontline workers who interact with the customer are without a doubt the very most important people in the organization and often left not knowing their impact on the organization. Knowing this, how can we negate or lessen the quiet quitting that is currently taking place? Well, here are a few things that we can do. Well, the first thing that we can do is offer up the 80% solution. Often, we want people to produce and to perform at the 99 to 100% solution level. This is an unrealistic expectation and not sustainable. A noble and amazing goal Uh, for organizations to strive for, but it's just not sustainable. But for daily operations, what one thing that I do is I ask people to give me an 80% solution. I'm not looking for perfection, but I'm looking for consistency. 
I'm looking for an adequate enough solution. So when the time comes and I ask for a higher level of performance, because the impact and the outcome of their performance matters more, it's not so much of a stretch or a demand on somebody. Nothing is worse than feeling like you, whatever you do is never good enough for a supervisor or a boss. This creates resentment and builds frustration over time and eventually leads to burnout, which leads me to the next suggestion. Clearly establish priorities of work. Sometimes, depending on the level of responsibility and span of control, people can get overwhelmed with which tasks to complete and when. More often than not, a first assigned task is not the most important to be working on at any given time. Sometimes priorities change and tasks often change priorities as well. Leaders need to clearly communicate with people and help them establish clear priorities of work so they know the importance of what they're doing, the impact of what they're doing, and that how it ties in to the bigger picture so that way they can feel the value of their work. And that leads me to the third thing that we can do, which is be grateful for the people you work with. Think about this. When was the last time you praised people on your team to people outside of your team in front of them? When was the last time you said, thank you for doing what you do and actually mean it? People aren't stupid. They will know when you're trying to manipulate them. So show them your actual gratitude and show them that you care. Fight for them and for what they need to do for their jobs. If you see that they're lacking something or your team is lacking something and you you know that if you acquire a new resource, it'll make their life easier and better and streamline their efforts and make it um, more impactful, then, then fight for it and get it for them. Protect their time and their boundaries outside of work and don't infringe upon it unless it's absolutely necessary. And that, necess- and that necessity better be less than 1% or get better at your own job so you don't need to infringe upon other people because you lack at yours. Lastly, if you work on a weekend and you work late, then people you work with on your team that you lead could feel pressured to do the same. Because you are leading by example. So simply put, lead by example. And leaders, this one's for you. If you can't, if you can take work home with you, so you leave the office at a reasonable time, then go ahead and do that. And I'm not advocating from working from home, but I am saying is that if you need to put in a little bit of extra time, then take that work home with you. Give the perception and the impression that, hey, I'm done with my work for the day. I am leaving the office. Take that work home with you if you can. Not all jobs can. I understand that. You know, there are like security reasons and stuff why some people can't. But if you can, take it home with you and show people that you're leaving the office at the right time when you should be leaving the office at the right time. And then when you go home, Finish up what you got to finish up whenever you're done with your work-life balance at your house. If that means you got to stay up late and get stuff done, stay up late and get stuff done. Because people are always watching you. The people you are leading are watching your behaviors. They're watching how late you're staying at the office. They're watching when you send emails. Are you sending emails to people at like 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night? Are you sending it to them 11, 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning? And yes, I have actually received 
emails from my bosses at all of those times, uh, and especially on the weekends. And I absolutely felt pressured that I had to answer that because if I didn't answer that, then I would be letting them down because obviously they took the time on a weekend or that late at night to send me that information and ask for a request. So therefore it must be that urgent. So then I was finding myself working at all odd hours and times and weekends and, and dates to meet that expectation. So if you take something home and you're working on it and you know you need to work and ask something of somebody, here's a technique. And the technique is really simple. If you need to request something of somebody on your team or outside your team, write a draft email. Type it up that night so that way you have it in your your, your mental Rolodex. You know you're not going to forget the idea or whatever it is that you need that you need to ask for. Save that email. And then when you get to work the next day, you know, when your computer's booting up and you're going through your morning startup routine, send those emails out first thing in the morning when you are at work. So that way people get the email while they're at work and set realistic expectations on when you expect something back. So sometimes you're just letting people know something because you think they need to know. Other times you're requesting a decision. Other times you're coordinating and synchronizing efforts and events. And sometimes you need feedback. But you need to set a realistic expectation to allow people to, one, do their morning startup routine, digest what they need to digest, and get after their work. So that's a technique to show that you are leading by example and that you're helping them and honoring their time. So I wholeheartedly believe that these are the three simple things that we can do as leaders to combat quiet quitting with engaged leadership. The data is clear from studies of the past couple of years that employees are looking for great leadership. They're looking for leaders to be more invested into the company than they are. And that's a really, really sad statement where leaders are less invested into the organizations that they are leading and they're expecting their employees and the teams that work with them to care more about the outcome than they do themselves or that they lead on the perception that they don't care as much as the employees do. People are looking for great leadership and they're demanding it. They're looking to be valued and understood and respected in the workplace and outside of the workplace. And I don't think that's a, a far... Uh, stretch to ask for. We cannot control the world, but we can control and shape our own environment that our teams work in. So let's do better for them because we owe it to them and they're demanding it. And if you don't rise to the occasion, you're going to find yourself bleeding talent out of your organizations. And if you bleed talent out of your organizations, you are not going to be competitive. And a non-competitive organization does not succeed and eventually fails. And then everyone's looking for new jobs. So that was briefly the topic of quiet quitting. It's been going on for years. Honestly, um, I served in many organizations where people just did the bare minimum and other people picked up the slack for those who weren't rising to the occasion. And I think we're getting to a point now in society where we have more people saying, I'm just going to do what you expect me to do because that's all I'm being compensated for. And then you have less people saying, well, I'm going to cover for those who are not rising to the occasion. And that's highlighting the fact that people are, you know, for a lack of a turn, sand sandbagging it, right? So if you ever played spades, the person who knows they have a good hand, but underbid, 
and then you know overestimate you know they get more uh, books by the end of the game. It's called sandbagging, and that's what we are doing to people at work when we know that we can perform better, but we just choose not to because we don't feel valued, we don't feel um, like we matter in the workplace. And like I said earlier, we are just a cog in the grand scheme of things in the wheel. And as the gears turn, we are just getting grinded down. And then eventually you're not going to perform as well. And then you're going to get replaced. And that leads me to the next episode that we're going to be talking about what organizations are doing to combat and to fight back against those who are doing the quiet quitting, which I do not endorse, by the way. I do not endorse quiet quitting whatsoever. I understand it. I can see where people are coming from when they do it, but I don't endorse it. And and here's why. It's not good for the organization because it does cause people to work harder and then the organization doesn't run as efficiently and the organization is just not as good because not everyone's performing to their full capability that they could. The second thing I don't support it is because then that requires uh, senior leaders and upper management to make decisions to go into the quiet firing, which in the next episode, we're going to be talking about how businesses are going to be quiet firing people. Again, that's not a new topic. That's not a new concept. It's been happening for years. It's just a new term that people are are, are bringing about and bringing it to light. And I think it's important because as we have people who are doing the quiet quitting, the counteraction to that is the quiet firing. So I hope you come back for another episode where we talk about that. If you got some value out of this episode, uh, if you could do me a favor, if you could please share this episode with one or two other people who you think might like it. And if you haven't liked or subscribed or followed on whatever platform you're listening to this on, if you could do that and hit that alert icon so that way you know when we upload a new episode. Uh, I haven't been as consistent as I would like to be uh, with with this, uh, with the podcast and the show, and it's due to my work-life balance and trying to establish a new norm uh, since I moved and transitioned into a new job, but I'm getting there. So this episode, quiet quitting. Next episode, quiet firing. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Tim Staten, stating the obvious. <laughs>